Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Matthew chapter 8, the first three verses, and then down to the 14th and 15th verses. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, See, thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a certain centurion seeking him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of palsy, and grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Then go down to verse 14. And and when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, He saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. You will notice two particular places where we read the phrase, he touched someone, such as in the third verse, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him and over in the 15th verse, and he touched her hand. You know, the body is, is a marvelous thing. I never cease to be amazed, the more reading I do, from people who are in the position to know how marvelous the body is, what a great thing God actually has created when he made your body. It began as a, as a single cell. But today, your body, on the average, contains 100 trillion cells. Now, to put that in a little perspective, that's a one followed by 14 zeros. 100 trillion cells has come from one cell. In your eye alone, there's 107 million cells. Uh, That's beyond my wildest imagination to understand how all of this could actually be, that we begin with one cell and develop into so many cells, all of them independent, but all of them working together in order to create a, a function, a part of a whole. Have you ever taken a shell and put it up to your ear, listened to it, and you have said, I hear the uh, waves on the seashore? Do you know really what you're hearing? You're hearing the blood rushing through the capillaries in your ear. Isn't that amazing that we actually can, can hear that? A chicken egg is a single cell. A single cell. 
The ostrich egg, uh, of course, then is the largest single cell in, in the world, I suppose. The cells in one's body continually change, with, the, with a couple of exceptions. Scientists tell us that we are a new person every seven years, for all the cells in our body have changed, with the exception of the nerve and the brain cells. They do not change. Once they exist, they always exist unless they are killed. That's why a, a surgeon can cut a nerve at a certain point and take off some pressure and kill some pain, but you'll never get it back unless somewhere or other he can retie it because those cells don't reproduce. Your brain doesn't reproduce its cells. They, they always are there. But if you kill them off, as some people do, by drugs or by alcoholism or by some other thing, those are gone forever, never to be replaced. So consider the fact that any time that you abuse your brain and kill some of the cells in it, you're just a little less smart than you were because they are never going to be reproduced. They're gone forever. Scientists say that each cell in your body contains the same information. It just depends upon what that cell's function is and what God has determined that that cell particularly do. And if all the information contained in that one little cell, that one little cell, were written in books, it would take a thousand books of 600 pages each to contain the information contained in the one cell. Now, take that and then broaden it out a little bit. And let's talk about organs in the body. We have certain organs. We have eyes. We have a heart. We have lungs, two of them. We have two kidneys, or at least most people do. Um, you ever wonder why God gave us one mouth and two ears? You've heard that statement, I'm sure. Maybe there's a message there for us that we ought to be hearing twice as much as we speak instead of the other way around. But there is an organ that I want to talk about that is not normally thought about as an organ, and that is, that is our skin. Your skin is an organ. The average person's skin only weighs nine pounds. So if you go on a diet, you're really not thinking about reducing the amount of skin you have. It's that which is under the skin, which is usually the fat tissue that we want to get rid of, not our skin. You can't say, well, I'm going to lose some weight, and I'll go out, and I'll cut off a hunk of my skin and I'll weigh less. That doesn't enter our mind because skin is an organ and it serves a very important uh, uh, purpose. It comes in different colors. It stretches and it shrinks and it's pliable and all of those things. But really, what is the purpose of our skin? Well, let me suggest just quickly one thing and then I'll get down to the point of the message. One of the reasons that we have skin is to serve as a raincoat. We go out in the rain and we say we put on a raincoat because we don't want to get wet. Well, that's pointless because our skin serves that very purpose. Our body doesn't get wet because our skin does not absorb very well that water. It sheds it off, but it also serves another purpose, and that is to keep the water, the moisture that is in our body, from evaporating. You've perhaps had a bad wound when the skin has been torn away. And one of the very things you have to be careful of is that that particular section of your skin is well protected because it would allow your body to evaporate the important uh, moistures that are within it. 
But there are some senses also that we have, the sense of sight, the sense of hearing, of taste, of smell, but there is the sense of touch. The sense of touch. I didn't go to the dictionary to find this out to prove it, but I have been told that the definition in the dictionary for the word touch is one of the longest definitions there are. It's so extremely difficult to describe. But the sense of touch is the most alert sense that we have, the most alert. It is much more alert than our eyes, much more alert than our hearing or our taste or our smell. Some of us have some of those senses that are developed more than others, but the sense of touch is our most important our, and our most uh, sensitive of all of the senses that we have. If you want to examine a piece of material and somebody say to you, tell me what this material is, you could look at it, but you will touch it. And it is by your touch that you say it's silk, or it's cotton, or it's wool, although you might have some indications by sight, you will touch it because you can tell more from touch than from any other way. Did you know that you can, by the sense of touch, feel something that's one twenty-five hundredth of an inch thick? Take a piece of smooth glass and lay something on it, etching maybe, that is one twenty-five hundredth of an inch thick, and you can tell it. You can feel the pressure on your skin of one thousandth of an ounce. That's pretty sensitive, a thousandth of an ounce. Well, why do I go into all this background? Because we're talking about touching. And the sensitivity that comes from this process of touching there are, on a square inch of your skin, an average of 450 touch cells. Touch cells on your skin, and on the fingers there's even more than that. We have the tremendous ability to touch. When a baby grows up, his first exposure to the world is by touch. And he begins to feel things and examine them that way. This morning in the Sunday School lesson, Thomas said, I will not believe unless I can touch. I've got to thrust my hand into his side. I've got to put my fingertips in the wounds in his hands. I will not believe by seeing. I will believe by touching. If you feel insecure, the first thing that you and I will do is try to find somebody that we can touch and be close to. We want to identify with touching. John said over in his first epistle in 1 John, the very first verse, he said, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, 
which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. What's he saying? We have experienced our Lord by seeing and by hearing, but also we have experienced him by touching. Are any of you Elvis fans, those of you who are late 20s and 30s maybe might be, we have a daughter that was an Elvis fan, and she went ecstatic over, her, over his music and always wanted to go to one of his concerts because she wanted to touch him. She wanted to touch. I like to watch wrestling, and it's amazing to me when Junkyard Dog comes traipsing in with his music into the arena, everybody's reaching out to touch him. I want to touch him. Well, why? Because this is a means of expressing a basic need that we have in our life, and that is to be able to identify with someone by so close association and fellowship that we are touching. In the Bellevue Hospital, which has a, a ward for uh, the for babies that are, are very ill, they were having about a 35% mortality rate. And the doctors finally issued an order to the nurses. And the order was you are to pick up and carry those babies several times a day. Touch them. And their mortality rate dropped from 35 to 10%. We use phrases all the time about touching. You know, people rub us the wrong way, or somebody is a soft touch, or they must be handled with kid gloves, or they've got a thin skin, or they have a thick skin, or they get under our skin. We talk about touching all the time in some phrase or other. A kiss is a touch, and also a slap on the cheek is a touch. They communicate different things, but there is an association of touching there involved. Back in the Old Testament, they were not to touch certain things. God told Adam and Eve that they could eat of all of the fruits of the garden except for the one tree. And when Eve was talking to Satan, Eve responded to Satan and said, No, we may not eat of it, and neither may we touch it. There was a fear that she had of touching that tree. Now, I hasten to tell you, the scripture does not say that God informed them not to touch it, but she interpreted that they were not to touch it. God did say to the Hebrew people, when Moses was to bring them to the foot of the mountain where God was to speak to them to Mount Sinai, that they were not to touch that mountain. Back in uh, the book of Job, Job called his friends to him in the 19th chapter in the 21st verse, and he said to this, Have pity on me, for I have felt the hand of God touch me. And this was a fearful thing. They believed that God's hand would not touch unless it was to do harm. But when Jesus came, he changed all of this. There began the touching, the close association with touching. In Many, many of the healings that Jesus did, he touched them. We read of the leper here in the 8th chapter of Matthew. 
A leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Then he said, I will be thou clean. The touch. He went into the house where, where Peter's mother was ill. And he saw her. And the scripture says that he touched her. He touched her. And she was whole. There was the woman who had the issue of blood. Continual bleeding. Let me go back to that. It's in Luke uh, chapter 8 verse 44. Let me read those to you. Beginning at verse 43 of Luke 8. And the woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched. Notice here is the woman touching. She touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood uh, stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, everybody said, I didn't do it. Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press upon thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? Jesus said, Somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. The touch. Back in Mark, the seventh chapter, we have the story of Jesus healing a uh, deaf man in the seventh chapter, beginning at verse 32. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. He was both deaf and had trouble speaking which is normal with deaf people, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. You see what they wanted? They asked Jesus to touch him, and he took him aside from the multitude. That's Jesus. Took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, touched him, and he spit and touched his tongue, touched the tongue, and looked up to heaven, and he sighed and said unto him, Be opened. <coughs> The man could hear, the man could speak, because Jesus touched him. Over also in the seventh chapter of Luke, we have the story of Jesus touching the uh, casket of a dead man in Luke 7, 14. Well, let me read 13. And when the Lord saw her, that is, he saw a widow that was coming out with her only son in the casket, and when he saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bear, that is, the casket, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And when he, and he that was dead sat up and began to speak. How? By the touch of the Lord. Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he'd held it up with a smile. What am I a bit? Good folks, he cried. Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar? A dollar? Now two? Only two? Two dollars? And who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow, and then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up all the strings, he played a melody sweet and low, 
as sweet as an angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with a bow. A thousand dollars, and who'll make it two? Two thousand, and who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, and going and gone, said he. And the people cheered, but some of them cried, We don't quite understand. What change is it worth? The man replied, The touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and torn with sin is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage and a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. But the master comes and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Let me suggest something to you. If you won't touch me, you won't love me. The person you won't touch, you won't love. Love involves touching. The worth that we place in another person is in direct relationship to our willingness, to the portion of our willingness to touch that person in some way. I've never been around a leper. Maybe some of you have, but I am told that one of the tragedies of leprosy is that they lose their sense of touch. They cannot feel touch. They don't know when someone touches them and they cannot know when they touch someone else. And they are a group of people that are starved for human touching. <laughs> Many of the affairs of our mission programs that we conduct as a church has the problem of leprosy in that we do not touch or we cannot feel the response by touch. There is no skin involved. And I would suggest to you this morning that the greatest mission that we can ever conduct in this world is that of putting our skin against skin, of touching, of showing our love by that which we physically do for that person whom we want to love and help. Hebrews 4.15 says that we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. What kind of a high priest then do we have? We have a high priest that can be touched. And the scripture there in, in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 goes on to say this, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And how are we going to get it? We're not worshiping a God that is untouchable. We're not worshiping a God that says, Keep your hands off me. We're worshiping a God that wants to be touched and wants to touch. 
that he wants to have that kind of close fellowship and relationship with us. And I think certainly it is our responsibility as God's children to reach out and touch someone. The telephone company has a, a good slogan in that. We have difficulty loving at a distance. I would challenge you this morning to love close up. To love close up. I would challenge you to touch your children, your husbands, wives, but more than that, to touch those around us who need touching. One of the important things that takes place at a funeral, I believe it's very important, is for a person to go and just shake hands or put an arm around the bereaved because it says something. It says, I care for you. I love you. And you won't have to speak a word. You know how you have experienced that when someone has said nothing but has reached out the hand or has put the arm around the shoulder and said nothing, but it said a lot. It said, you touched me. You touched me. And I think we need to reach out and touch the lost. They're the most ill people in this world. Their soul is sick. And they need more than anybody else in this world to have somebody who will say, I care for you. I love you. I'll touch you. And take them the Christ who touched the leper who touched the blind, who touched the deaf, who touched the dead, and gave them life because he loved enough to touch. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description. Thank you for listening, and remember to try Trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.